All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for um, today. We thank you for the rain and for um, keeping us safe as we head over here, God. And um, I pray that as those that come, uh, that you keep them safe as they drive over here. And uh, we pray for for your spirit to teach us today as we talk about the perseverance of the saints, God. And we thank you for that truth. We thank you that you uh, you do open our hearts to your truth, God. So we ask for that, and I pray for clarity. I pray for a good discussion here today as we wrap up this area. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. What's up, Mike? What's up? All right. So we are wrapping up our series on the five points of Calvinism. Um, let's go over them. What's, what does T stand for? Total depravity. Okay. This is a. I'm, let me. I'm gonna like sort of uh, give different names for these. So there's total depravity. This is um, it's kind of a misnomer because it kind of means that like there's nothing good at all in anyone. Um, but God gives us uh, special grace, uh, common grace. Um, so other people like to refer to total depravity as radical depravity, meaning that we're all radically depraved, but not completely. Not not to say that there's any goodness in us, but then there is goodness that's given to us by God, but then um, radical depravity is a more accurate term for than total depravity. There is uh, you, what does that stand for? Unconditional election. Unconditional election. So that one, um, I, don't, I don't really have a problem with that phrase. Unconditional election. Um L stands for limited atonement, um, which is also a kind of—it's not a great name, or uh, not a great phrase to describe the um, what's teaching. Limited atonement has this—it um, kind of carries with it this uh, um, the thought that um, maybe uh, Christ's work is limited in how like how effective it is, but really what limited atonement means is that Christ died. For his elect and um, everyone that he died for, that's like that that, that 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 what he purchased is guaranteed. So, limited atonement is not the great greatest um, phrase. Particular, um, particular atonement or particular redemption. This is another phrase that the reformers used. Um, I, you guys remember what that stands for? Irresistible, Irresistible grace. So, um, that is also. Uh, you could also that could also be known as effectual calling or overcoming grace, uh, meaning that the gist of that is that everything that God has has an um, every <coughs> everyone that God wants saved He will save, and then His grace overcomes our <coughs> seven wills. And then P, uh, this is our our topic today. This is perseverance of the saints, and I'm also going to say that in this area, this is also something that is not the most um, uh, it's not the most accurate um, phrase because perseverance of the saints it kind of carries with it um, you know w- we have enough strength to continue on we have enough endurance to continue on in the faith so it's not particularly wrong but then what pers- uh, what perseverance of the saints is I have it here on the sheet it says uh, it's also known as um, preservation of the saints which is probably more accurate preservation of the saints meaning that God, once we're saved, God is going to continue to do his work in us. And uh, it, it carries with it this idea that once we're saved, the moment that we're saved, there's not going to be one moment afterward that God isn't going to let us go, that God is going to continue to do his work in us. So um, another, so this is probably better known as preservation of the saints. Um, I, was just, I was reading someone, I forgot who, but uh, he said that 
um, maybe perseverance of the saints could be like the sixth point of Calvinism, meaning that those who are saved, they show a fruit in their lives. They show that there is something that has happened to them. So, but we're going to stick with these five. So, today we are doing P. Um, do you guys, so what have you guys heard about this? Or do you guys have any like initial questions or thoughts about perseverance of the saints? It's the, it's the least controversial. It's the least controversial, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's um. So, do you guys like know like which is the like most controversial of these five five points? The L, the, L, the, the limited atonement. So, there are a lot of people that say um, that we agree with the T, we agree with the U, we agree with the I, we agree with the P. But this we don't agree with. They call themselves four point Calvinists, um, but we are five pointers here. So, this is the least controversial. So, this is uh, we'll end on kind of a. Uh, less controversial note, and then we'll wrap up uh, kind of, well, I have on the back, don't, well, I guess I'm sort of giving it away, but the, the ultimate point of all of this is this, that God saves sinners. So we'll uh, leave some time um, to discuss this and to take any questions that we might have. Alrighty, so um, Andrew Ong, because you are from Westminster, can I ask you to read this these three points from the Westminster Catechism. Um, <clears throat> uh, they whom God hath accepted in his beloved, effectually called and sanctified by his spirit, can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace, but shall certainly persevere therein to the end and be eternally saved. This perseverance of the saints depends not upon their own free will, but upon the immutability of the decree of election flowing from the free and unchangeable love of God the Father, upon the efficacy of the merit and intercession of Jesus Christ, the abiding of the Spirit and of the seed of God within them, and the nature of the covenant of grace, from all which ariseth also the certainty and infallibility thereof. Nevertheless, they may, through the temptations of Satan and of the world, the prevalency of corruption remaining in them, and the neglect of the means of their perseverance, fall into grievous sins, and for a time continue therein, whereby they incur God's displeasure and grieve His Holy Spirit, come to be deprived of some measure of their graces and comforts, have their hearts hardened and their consciences wounded, hurt and scandalize others, and bring temporal judgments upon themselves. All right, thank you for uh, reading these very long sentences. Um, so, I mean, like, I think we might get a little bit lost in all the verbiage of this, but basically, I have this in simple English down here. Um, so, uh, what Andrew read, I'm going to try to just really um, summarize it into just a couple sentences. Is this the elect of God cannot lose their salvation? Their salvation and continued <coughs> faithfulness is guaranteed because the power of God is active in their lives, and God will always achieve His purposes. So that means that they're God intended to save us from times past, um, and He did save us. And then there are some people that 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 might, that might say, "Well, um, you know, He might have saved us, but then we need to continue to do work to maintain our salvation." And then some people will say that, you know, you can lose your salvation, and that is um, so. And a lot of people live in that fear, even if they don't say they believe that. A lot of people live with that fear that, you know, what if I do something wrong? What if I mess up really bad? Um, does that mean that I will lose my salvation? And this point right here, preservation of the saints, says, no, you will not lose your salvation even if you mess up. Um, and here there's a... Actually, I, I like how the Westminster Catechism 
how it um, how it speaks to the reality that there are those that may may for a time it says right here I have it highlighted uh, fall into grievous sins and for a time continue therein. So um, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go on. So the questions that are are posed by perhaps us or others: Can we really lose our salvation? What if I mess up really, really, really badly? What if I turn away from God completely? Then what happens to me? Does that mean that I lost my salvation? Does it mean I was never really saved? Do you guys have any other like questions that you might want to add to these <coughs> list of questions? Kind of tracking right now, at least. Okay, I think this is like one of the easier points to understand. So... This is, um, I have this from Romans 8.29, The Unbroken Chain, and this is something that I think we, we read um, for at least a couple of the lessons already, this verse from Romans 8, but I'm going to ask Ashley, can I have you read Romans 8.29-30, please? For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Christ, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. All right, so we have all these points here that God foreknew us, he predestined us, he called us, he justified us, and he glorified us. And I have, the, the header I have here is that this is an unbroken chain, meaning that God's purposes for us, there's no point in which that chain is broken. It's because God intends for it to happen, he does everything to cause it to happen, and he maintains his work in us. So this is like a really incredible promise. If we really are elect, we really will be saved, and if we really are saved, we really will continue in the faith, and this is, it's not because we are, you know, we've we have learned a lot of great things, it's because God is faithful in our lives, and He will, whether it be through discipline, whether it be through um, encouragement, God is going to pull us along uh, for the rest of our lives. Alright, so um, just a few points here. I actually have more questions and um, more questions to answer and kind of more encouragement for us um, but uh, I'm just going to use this one point we have a, that we are sealed with the spirit as a pledge and this is going to tell us that God has something on us a special seal on us to guarantee that we will never lose our salvation so um, Carmen can I have you read Ephesians 1 please in him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believe in him we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. All right, thank praise with his glory. <laughs> thank <you. laughs> Thanks, Carmen. So, um, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit is active in our lives. The Holy Spirit, there's not one moment in which the Holy Spirit um, leaves us. Even, even when we are in the depths of our sin um, we may not be filled with the Holy Spirit but then the Holy Spirit still is in our lives, he still is active and then Paul says here um, it's the guarantee of our inheritance so what the Holy Spirit does is it guarantees that God's work in us will continue Like, like um, this is a uh, the word guarantee, it's, it's, it's a phrase that, you know, we hear, like, you know, there's a money-back guarantee, or, like, we're get, like um, if you, like, look at food packages, <coughs> they'll say, like, this, this uh, food is guaranteed to be good until this date, and the, the promise of God is that it's more than just that, it's, it's hundred 
million percent promise and guarantee that this is going to happen, that the Holy Spirit it will continue to work in our lives. Uh, Harry, can I have you read um, 2 Corinthians 1, please? Yeah. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. All right, so again, we see, we see this language that God has a seal on us and... Um, the Spirit is given to us as a guarantee. The Spirit is in our hearts as a guarantee. Any questions or comments on this? All right. Um, so uh, here we hit the questions. How can we be sure that we'll persevere? Um, do you guys ever like what wonder like um, what if I don't persevere? Or maybe maybe I can I can ask um like ha- have you guys ever feared that maybe one day you'll you'll like leave the faith? Yeah, sometimes maybe. Um, I mean, there, there for for myself there have been times when I actually like in college there was like a period when like um, I just went through like a kind of like a dark period and like, I was like I wish I weren't a Christian. I it sucks being a Christian and. Um, and that, that was a time when I thought, okay, well, maybe I won't be a Christian forever. And, I, like, I, I know someone um, that I was really close to at that time who was active in church, and um, eventually he fell away. So, I mean, it's a reality that maybe some people, they're not going to uh, continue on in the faith, right? Um, but this, the God's word, he addresses this question, how can we be sure that we'll persevere? If we really are saved, if God really has elected us, to be his children, then how can we be sure that we'll continue on to the end? So if we're for real, if God really has elected us, I'm going to have Mike. Can you read um, First Peter, please? According to his great mercy, he caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power and being, who, God, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, Alright, thanks. So, look at the uh, top of this verse. Um, according to God's great mercy, not according to our decision, not according to what we've done, God has caused us to be born again. God is the one that has initiated the work in us. God is the one that made our hearts willing to turn to Him. God is the one that, that, that caused us to want to approach Him. Um, and it says that through all this, it's God's power that that's on us. God guards us. God guards our faith. So um, there are times when, you know, there may be, like, external forces. Maybe people will try to make you question your faith. Maybe there are times when people will try to tell you, hey, you know, like, this, this whole Christianity thing, it might be good for a little while, but um, it's costing you too much. It's, you know, do you really want to suffer the rest of your life? Um, it doesn't have to be this way. Um, people might say, you know, just give it up. You don't have to be as committed as you are. Or it might come internally. Like, for when, when, like during that time in college for me, when I wanted to, when I didn't feel like being a Christian, when I said, like, this is just too difficult. I don't want to do it. Or maybe there may be, um, there's a... Have you guys heard, I think we've brought this up before, um, this phrase, but have you guys heard the phrase, a dark night of the soul? Like, um, it's, it's, it's a, it was a phrase coined by, um, 
some Catholic mystic, I believe. Um, and every time I think of Dark Knight as well, I think of Batman uh, <laughs> running around in your heart. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Dark, the Dark Knight of Soul is a time when it feels like God has abandoned you when you don't feel the presence of God. And actually, if you read biographies of, of the saints, of modern-day saints, of saints from the 1800s, saints of like um, the, the Middle Ages, over and over and over, you'll, you'll, you'll hear or you'll read about periods in their life when they felt like God abandoned them, when they felt like there was just nothing else to live for because what was most important to them was taken away from them, namely the presence of God. Um, so there are times maybe that we might eventually hit that time and we might question our faith and we might say, well, I don't really want to be Christian. So, um, But God's word says that he guards us, he protects our hearts during those times. So even when the most difficult times kind of just are hammering away at your heart, God says, nope. I'm guarding you. It may hurt like heck, but I am guarding you. I guess this might be a time when I might say, it might hurt like hell, actually. I, I don't mean that as a profanity, but it might really hurt like hell. Um, God says, I am I'm still going to watch over you. I'm still going to guard you. Questions or comments? <coughs> no? All right, cool. Let's go on to our, uh, the uh, second page. What about those who profess faith but fall away? Do you guys know people that used to go to church with us or maybe consider themselves a Christian but don't anymore? Do you, like, do you, um, do you, like, I see a lot of you guys nodding, so I think most of us know people that <laughs> have left the faith. Um, what, is, what does God's word have to say about that? So, this is, uh, I'm going to have Clarence. Can you read First John 2.19, please? They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. All right. So, does someone want to uh, summarize what that says or rephrase that? someone is truly elect and they wouldn't fall away from your faith. Yeah. And those that do fall away, it says that they were never really elect, saved to be in right? <coughs> Alright, um, Ren, can I have you read um, uh, 2 John 1, nine, please? Sure. Everyone who goes on ahead and uh, does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. All right, thank you. So, uh, again, it's, it's an echo of this. So, those that may may go into church, um, they, may, they may hear the word. They might even respond to it for a little while. But then John says here that um, if you don't continue in the teaching, if you don't continue in the faith, then you don't have God and you never had God to begin with. Um, and then uh, this verse um, from Luke. Can I have you read? It's Nancy, right? Uh, Sophia. I'm sorry, yeah, Sophia. Okay. Sophia, right. wisdom. Okay. I'll remember uh, that. Thanks. Wisdom. Okay. <laughs> Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the pro and looks back is, is fit 
for the kingdom of God. All right, thank you. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks bad is fit for the kingdom of God. So there's this image of, um, you know, this is an agricultural society that Luke is writing about. Um, there, where people like if they want to if they want to um, tend to the fields, what do they do? They put their hand to the plow and they'll have maybe like oxen or someone pull them along and they'll just guide guide the um, the plow to tear up the ground um, to do the work of of agriculture and what Jesus is saying here is that there are some people that may put their hand to the plow and they might even like go along with the plow for a little while but uh, and this is work for the kingdom this is um, for us it might be work in the church um, they, they do that and then they go well there's something distracting over here this looks a little bit better they let go of the plow and they 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 stop doing the work of the kingdom and Jesus says here the people who do this, and there are lots and lots of people, um, they if they turn away, if they stop doing the work of the kingdom, Jesus says, these people are not fit for the kingdom. Um, there's a... Um, have you guys heard this story? It's uh, um, the, uh, in 1519, there was uh, a Spanish sailor. His name was... Um, uh, I forgot his first name. <coughs> but his um, last name was, was uh, Cortez. Which is a very, very, uh, very um, common Spanish name. But this, he was a captain of a ship, and then so they sailed across, um, across I forget which ocean, the Indies or something. So they land, and then um, his men arrive on the shore, and they're going to start. They're going to take over the place. They're going to, they're going to work the land. They're going to find make a place inhabitable, and then to their shock, Cortez tells these guys, "You guys are here for good. There is no turning back." And how does he do it? Do you, do you guys remember the story? Does it kind of like... Is it, he burned his boat. He burned the ships. Like the guys, they went to this other place and to guarantee that these guys would never leave that place, that they would really stay there, that they were completely committed, he said, I'm burning your boats because burning the boat says you have no way out. There's nowhere else for you guys to go, so you guys are going to stay here. And this is the kind of mindset we need to have is that... We, when we come to the kingdom of God, we should say, you know, there are so many other things that I can turn to. There are so many other things that look appealing to me. But I am burning my boat, and I'm saying that there is no, I'm not leaving anything open for myself to go back to the life that I used to know, or the life that I used to live. Any questions or comments? Sounds kind of a little bit harsh, right? Um... Let's continue on. Yes, observation. I, I, I didn't realize it before. Um, he says the the man who puts his hand on the plow looks back. It's not fit, uh, so. It's not. He's not fit for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So he's still plowing. Right? He, his hand is still on the plow. He's outwardly maybe he's still doing the work. Right. But his attention, his focus is not there. Right. So maybe someone is, you know, closer is not like maybe the one is the person is still in the church. He still maybe has you know have certain uh, responsibilities serving in, in some, <coughs> with some capacities, mm-hmm. but the heart is not there. Yeah. So it's not just something that left the church. Maybe yeah. still is in the church. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and how many like how many people like can really say that they serve 
in ministry with complete, um, completely pure motives. Like I like there. I mean, there's 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 so many people that might do it for the wrong reasons, and maybe we do it for the right reasons. But then there are times when we the wrong reasons pop into our heads. Um, so that's that's a, I appreciate that observation. Yeah, there really are like a lot of people that will do the work, but their hearts are not in it, right? Because you can you know like I, this is something I say like over and over is that willpower can take you a fa- long way, and that's why like you know um, people can maintain their work for years and decades even, but willpower ultimately will not produce the work that God um, that God desires. Um, John fifteen got. Jesus says that um, if you abide in me, then the truth that he tells you, this is going to come out. It's going to be obvious. But then there are those that, you know, they may go on for decades. And um, if they don't really check their heart, it could be that, you know, they really are not doing things for the right reason. And maybe, maybe like really scary, scary is uh, maybe they're not saved. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew seven twenty one, right? He says that there are people on the last day that are going to go to Jesus and they're going to say, um, did we not perform miracles? Did we not prophesy? Did we not do the work of ministry? And what does Jesus say? He doesn't say, um, no, the work you did was not valid or effective. Jesus says, I never knew you. Um, that's like terrifying, isn't it? To, to think that you were in the kingdom, to think that you were doing um, work for the ministry your whole life, and then Jesus says on the last day, um, depart from me, because you never were one of us, you never were, I never knew you, you never knew me, and um, so, yeah, people can lull themselves into thinking, yeah, this is okay, um, and this, uh, you guys remember the, the parable of the sower, and it's, it speaks directly to this, right, there's a, there's a guy that sows seed, and then some of it falls on, um, some of it falls on, like, Good soil, something that falls on uh, rocky soil, and then there's some that fall on the ground. So, who are, what about this, this seed that falls on the ground? Jesus says that there are those that will hear the word, and immediately they're going to go, ah, not interested. Um, so, that's pretty clarified. These are people that are not in the kingdom. There are those, uh, hopefully, that are the majority of us who hear the word. And then it falls on good soil, and it produces fruit, and we see it active in our lives. Um, so that is good. But here, what's going on here? There are some people that might be in this in this uh, spot here, where Jesus says, "The word falls onto soil," and you know what? What's really cool is some stuff actually pops up. You see life springing from the soil, but the soil was not good soil. It was rocky soil, and it says that cares of life tangle up the fruit and that fruit ultimately is not good and Jesus says that there are so many people that will hear the word that may respond to it initially but if their if their life doesn't show it it's really you can, you might say that um, they never really were saved to begin with so questions comments how do you think we should talk about um assurance of salvation yeah that's that's a good point so um assurance of salvation we're going to talk about this um actually the next couple points i want to leave a few minutes for questions but um how do we talk about the assurance of salvation so one thing we don't want to do is we don't want to scare people 
out like and say like, oh, you should feel like terrible. You should be under this constant <laughs> cloud of guilt and shame because you might not be saved. And so many churches, so many people will try to use that as a way to manipulate their people. Um, but we should, how as a church, we should lovingly say like, hey, like I notice these things about your life. Like you need to check yourself, um, or you might. I mean, uh, I'm gonna talk about this uh, a little bit later, but um, we might want to say um, like. Uh, if God really has done a work in you, like thank God that He He has, and um, I think for us as a church, for us as <coughs> brothers and sisters, we have an obligation to encourage them in that because there's so many people that will just um, it may take a long time for them to really get that they um, that the gospel is true, and I know that's true of myself as well. I grew up in the church, but I don't really think I understood the gospel until I was in college. Um, so. Uh, I think we like lovingly talk about it, um, and um, I mean, like John says also in, in his um, first, second, third John. John explicitly says that we can know for sure that we are saved, and that's such a great promise. And how do we know that we're saved? Is we produce good fruit that lasts. Um, so I think it's one of those things that you don't want to like freak yourself out about, but you also want to really um, keep that in mind. Um, so let me uh, well. These next few verses, we'll talk about it. Um, just for the sake of time, I'm going to uh, summarize a couple of these. Um, let me Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Um, it's an encouragement for us to run with endurance, for us to not grow weary or faint-hearted. And what is it, if we want to like be encouraged, who do we look to? Christ. Christ. We look to Christ. We don't look to... Um, you know, pastors that may fail you or saying stupid things sometimes. Um, you don't look to um, the authors that you read. Um, they're great, um, but ultimately you look to Christ. You don't look to how well the church is doing. You don't look to, um, you know, how great the music is that you're listening to. You you look to Christ alone. He's the one that's going to encourage you. He's provided an example because he, at the very, like, he had every reason to just give up on a cross, right? He There's no reason why... Um, other than like the glory of God and other than his own love for his people like Christ said you know on the cross he could have just said that this is it I'm, I'm done with it they're, the people that I'm dying for they don't appreciate this um, you know they're not going to get it for a long long time but Jesus says I'm going to endure this cross and for us we endure as well because of the example that Christ has set alright um Ciao. Can you read Second Peter one ten? Second Peter one ten. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. If you practice these qualities, you will not. You will never fall. All right. So here's an encouragement, kind of speaking to Andrew's question. Um, be diligent to confirm your calling and election. So this is like a whole like another like lesson, but basically it's an encouragement to say like, hey, like. Continue to check yourself. Continue to ask those tough questions of yourself. Continue to maybe like tell someone like, "Hey, like you know, uh, I don't, I, I don't, I have blind spots. I don't see them. Can you tell me like what's wrong with my life? Can you tell me what's wrong with my walk?" Um, it's just this hard work of confirming and making sure that we really are the elect. Um, uh, Nimi, can I have you read Philippians two, please? <clears throat> Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. All right, thank you. So, 
um, it says here the the last phrase. It's God who works in <coughs> God who works in us. But what is our responsibility? Even though God is the one that does all the work, Paul encourages us. He says, "Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling." It's this idea that you know what we have is such a precious thing, and we like, sometimes we don't really respect what it is that we have. <coughs> Paul says, "Don't forget how important it is. Don't." Don't you dare um, ever minimize this treasure that you have. And he says, with fear and trembling, there may be time. If it brings you to tears, let it bring you to tears. If it causes you to, you know, tremble in your pants and like wet the wet yourself, like let that happen because it's that important. Um, but he promises God is going to do the work in you. All right. So this is an encouragement for those that uh, those that, that are faithful. Um, and this, my next point, last point, um, before I leave a couple minutes for questions. Um, encouragement for screw up. So, like, has anyone ever like messed up really bad? Of course. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that you mess up, Dave. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I'll take you at your word. <laughs> we all, well, maybe speaking for myself, I screw up all the time. Like, <clears throat> all the time. Like, all the time, I screw up. Like, um, so, what does the word have to say to us in this instance? Um, we're just going to read a couple. Um, Couple of verses. Um, Nathan, can you read Philippians three twelve, please? Fourteen. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do: forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. All right. Thank you. So. Paul here, he is looking back on his life. He's, he, he remembers, you know, like I, there are times when I screwed up. There are times when I blasphemed God. And he says, what does he do? Does he say, I focus on those things. And I think about how miserable I am. I think about how sinful I am. Um, Paul says, I forget these things. And it's encouragement for us. We forget what lies behind and we strain forward to what lies ahead. I mean, when I, when I hear this word strain, I'm thinking, you know, like this cooking utensil of a strainer. You know what happens, right? It's like there's like maybe some something you want to um, you want to put food on there, and you want to squeeze out like the, um, the the moisture, whatever. And it's this this idea that you're being crushed and pounded into the strainer, um, and it might hurt. Like a lot of like stuff is going to come out, um, stuff that you may not want to come out will come out. But Paul says, "I'm willing to put myself through this. I'm willing to put my feet to the fire and say." Um, even though I've messed up, even though I have not been as faithful as I should have been, I'm going to strain myself. I'm going to push myself as hard as I can for that which God has promised me. Um, so this is an encouragement. Uh, final verse is, uh, I'm going to read to you guys Philippians 1.6. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. <laughs> he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And this is what preservation of the saints is all about. It's about God. He started a work in us in times past, um, and God has been a thousand percent committed to our good for all of time. And the promise here is that God says, you know, there are times when you're going to falter. There are times when you're not going to feel anything. There are going to be times when every it seems like everything's against you. But Paul says it's not because 
of what you do is not because you have a lot of willpower, but it's because of God who began a good work in you. He's the one that's going to continue on. And there's going to be a day when you guys are going to be dead and in the ground, but God will raise you up again, and you'll be able to say, when you look back on your life, you'll be able to say, like, thank God it wasn't me that was in control. Thank God it was God alone that was in control of every single aspect of my life from times past. And all of this, all of Tulip, it really is all about this, that God saves sinners. Let me break this down for you. God saves sinners. It means that God alone, He's the only one that has caused any work in us. God is the one that has lovingly, through all of time, through all of history, He's the one that put that gave us life. He's the one that continues in our life. And there are going to be times in our life when life, you're like, how is God in this? How is it that um, any good can come from this? And God says, um, because you are elect, because I promise you'll persevere, you will hold on. It's a promise. God guarantees that he will be good to us. God saves. It's not that God gives us the option to say, um, you know, maybe if I try hard enough, maybe if I um, learn enough stuff, then I can achieve salvation. Every other religion will say that you need to do something, right, to to be saved. Um, Christianity is the only one that says God's the one that does all the work. And this is what Christmas is all about, right? That God, under no obligation willingly subjected himself to humanity and to sin and to sinful people and he said it's because of my great love for my people I'm going to save them because they can't save themselves I'm going to be the one that initiates and it's not if I leave if if God were to leave the choice up to us what would we do we would, we would just turn away from him right um, God saves sinners and if we recognize this truth that we really are sinners it should bring us deep humility. Um, we are. There's no one in this room that's better than anyone outside this room. There's, you know, like Saddam Hussein or Osama bin Laden, or um, the rapist or murderer. Who's to say that we 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 can't achieve the same amount of evil that they have? It's only by Paul says in First Corinthians 15. He says, "By the grace of God, I am what I am." And grace is what tulip is all about. Grace is what all this is about. Um, so, just in terms of like just how everything works here, like I mean, like don't call it. I mean, we can call ourselves Christian or, or Calvinist or Reformed, but Calvinism is not the point. Um, it's not the point of IGC. Calvinism is not the point of of the gospel. Um, we want to just call ourselves Christians that understand that God saves sinners, and in the scope of all of history. God has this story. Um, we're, we're, we're characters in the story, and and we are uh, through times past. God knew that we would sin. God knew that He provide salvation for us. God knew that He provide rescue for us, and He promises that one day we will see, like the song that we sing sometimes says, that we'll see Him with unsinned heart, with clear eyes, with bright eyes that that really see God as he truly is and we'll be like wow God how can you how can you God 
interact with me, a sinner. Um, and it's this right here. It's because God saves, and God saves completely and fully and totally and thousand percent um, saved. So, any questions or comments on this whole concept? <clears throat> yes. Um, how do you? Because I have a friend who uh, she used to go to church and stuff like that, but then she stopped. And then she'll say things like, "Well, I don't know if I'm part of it." And so, how do you know, like, when somebody is? Um, falling away because um, because they're like not truly Christian or if they're falling away because they just you know it's like that temporary backsliding yeah I mean like this is like the um, this story of the prodigal son might like kind of address this as well but for those that, that say like well maybe I'm not elect like there are people that say like well um, if God has chosen everyone then why do we need to evangelize um, I mean it kind of carries the same idea that you know I, what if I'm not elect and I don't, there's no reason for me to continue on, right? Um, what I would say is, like, don't worry about whether or not you're elect. I would ask them, maybe, has there been anything in your life that made you, that, that has pressed, pressed upon you this truth that maybe there's more to life than the life that you're living? Or has there been anything in you that has experienced beauty and joy and knew that there's something beyond that beauty and joy? Has there ever been an ache for something that you can't fulfill. And I would say, if you have that, this is God telling you, drawing you, telling you, like, come to me. Um, and uh, you don't have to, like, worry whether or not you're elect. If you have any desire at all for God, um, then I would say you don't have to worry about it. Just, you know, continue on in whatever whatever it is that you're, you want. So, I mean, like, we, like, we don't want to make it, like... Uh, especially as a church, we don't want to say like, "Oh, some people you're elect and you're not, so we're going to give up on you." Like, um, to, especially irresistible grace, unlimited atonement, actually everything. Um, <laughs> um, it all says that you know we like we reach out to every single person because the gospel call goes out to every single person, and God is going to work in every heart. Um, um, but it's also like, like. Um, like Paul says, like God's work. Is so, sometimes the work of God is to harden someone. Sometimes the work of God is to soften someone. We don't know what that is, and I would just say, like, maybe love her and tell her. Just ask her this question: so Have you ever felt anything? Have you ever felt an ache for something that you can't find a find something to as a balm for? Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing IGC. Uh, I appreciate IGC for is not that we preach moralism as in like if you keep on doing this then. There's a sure sign that you're saved. You know, obviously that's not true. We see a lot of people fall away, but we preach um, the gospel again and again so that it's this, it, uh, it paints this picture of what you know this this the whole story of the Bible, right? And then that is what kind of ignites our hearts to so that we um, do things out of love, out of uh, <coughs> changed heart, not out of just behavioral modification. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, like, if you guys have ever like tried to like do something out of your own willpower um or maybe out of guilt or shame um it'll happen it'll work for a little while but what really 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 makes you want something greater it's grace right um and this is what is all all about we call we call tulip also in addition to the five points of calvinism um i think a better term is the doctrines of grace um, that's probably what we should um, refer to them as the doctrines of grace. Any other comments, questions?
kind of quick question. It's kind of the same line as like what Jung asked, but how can we talk about those who pro profess faith but fall away, and like say like you know like Christ will say on our last day like oh I never knew you and stuff like that, but also talk about encouragement for first group. I kind of feel like they're contradictory points. So it's, I guess um, I don't know because I mean I feel like isn't it if we were like like we could fall away like like God's <coughs> prodigal son right yeah it's like we don't know when or where mm -hmm. but, like we may come back to Christ like, yeah. You know, it's for the very end. So, how can these both be addressed in the same topic without being contradictory? Um. Yeah. I. I. Uh, I would say that we we continue to encourage people. Like we don't want to beat them down and say, like, "Oh, well, this obviously you're not saved." Yeah. Um. But maybe we, we. I would. I would probably err on the side of just like encourage them and say like, "Hey, you know, like this is not who you are. Your identity is not as a sinner, but as as a saint who professes yourself to be a Christian." Um, so, um, could I, could I piggyback yeah. on that? Uh, Cause I have a lot of friends like that as well. And, and kind of the route that I've been going is, is saying, you know, past or present, whether or not you are elect or whether or not your profession of faith was genuine or not. Uh, the real question is not what happened before or what's going to happen later, but who are you trusting in mm. now? And I think that kind of uh, just neutralize and, and I think a lot of people want to look back on an experience, but but when they look back on the exp that experience, they're trusting in the experience and not not Christ. Mm -hmm. So I think I, I found it to be helpful to ask them. I don't I don't care what you've done before or what you think <coughs> you're going to do mm -hmm. later, but this is something you need to ask yourself every day. Right. In whom are you trusting mm -hmm. now? Is it is it Christ? You know, and He's there for you right now. Mm -hmm. So so trust Him. You, know, yeah. you can trust Him. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I can't answer your question of whether or not you were saved before or whether or not you will be saved later, but I can ask you, who do you want to trust mm -hmm. right now? Yeah. yeah, that's that's. Thank you, Andrew. Um, does that kind of like address like? Kind of. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Like we're not able to like, give a full treatment. Like we no. kind of like have to leave. But let me let me talk to you offline, um, because actually like this is such a good point because like so many of us know people that's that have not persevered in the faith yet. But, um, yeah, so uh, we, let's talk about this a little bit more. And we will cover this again in, like, 18 months. So you can hold your questions for 18 months, or you can just we can talk about this more later. But let, let me pray. I'm sorry um, we didn't have enough time to answer your questions, but I want to make sure we uh, get into service on time. So let's pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for this truth. We thank you for the fact that you save sinners, and we give you all the praise, and we give you all the glory and all the fame. Um, and all the <coughs> reputation that you deserve, God. And, um, yeah, we, we ask you continue to um, press these truths into our hearts and maybe respond to them well with heart of worship and, and love. <coughs> and um, I pray as we head off into the worship service that um, you would continue to be worshipped and glorified, God. So we thank you this Christmas Sunday for all that you have done and are doing now and will continue to do and we trust that you will do more we pray this in Jesus name Amen Oh <laughs> 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 not recording <laughs>